that has ADHD right now? I feel like you. 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 <laughs> this podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient, or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website, and because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. Welcome to We're Not Fine. I'm Dr. Talia Jackson. And I'm Doug Jensen. We thank you for listening every week to our deep and thought-provoking conversations about relationships. Hi, everybody. Hi, guys. Welcome back to We're Not Fine. Our podcast about relationships of all kinds. And I just plucked a few crumbles of seaweed off of Doug's green shirt. You did. I was <laughs> I was munching on some seaweed, and I'm surprised it's not in my teeth. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. No. I wouldn't tell you, just for uh, comedic effect. Well, that's we- nice of you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Why don't I put a big black over one of them? Um, what we were desperate to talk about with you guys... Is desperate the right word? Yes. Because I don't feel it's desperate like, right You know when you anything. watch a show and it is so good? Are these the hand motions you were talking about? They are. He told me I use my hands too much. I didn't say too much. I said, do you always use your hands this much? And I was like, Because I think now that, I'm, I, <laughs> now that I'm with you. <laughs> and just like you direct traffic. I do direct while traffic. While we have conversations. So stop. Okay. Now you can talk. Is anyone else watching The Righteous Gemstones? I feel like it's been, what, three full seasons? I've got one episode left. I am obsessed. I am laughing so hard. Whatever brand of humor that is, is just killing me. Right? Who is it? John Goodman. Um, I wrote it down. Danny. McBride. McBride. I don't Adam, know their names. Adam Devine or Divine. He's so, these are like icons they're so hilarious if you guys haven't watched it you should so you know we're not all together about plugging shows but we are both watching this at the moment um i have a buddy who wants to finish you know watch season three with me he's obsessed as well oh god um so we're gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna not watch it until we can like watch it and have some charcuterie and apps i'm not sure i love anyone that much i do that's I do love my you, friends that much. I love you that much. If you said, you would wait Doug, I want to watch me. season three of The Righteous Gemstones with you, I would say, I'll make a charcuterie tray. Come on over. We'll have some popcorn and some gin and tonics and, with that gin and gin that you brought me from Moab. Oh, yeah. I still have it. Do you know what I would do? Tell me what you would do. I would say, absolutely. That sounds like so much fun. And, and then watch it. I would watch it by myself. But then I'd watch it again with you and act surprised. So that feels inauthentic <laughs> and ingenuine. And I would want you to tell me up front, because I'm really big on honesty okay. and transparency in my I'll relationships. Tell you up front. Say up front, I watched it already, Doug. Um, and I'm just watching it again. So when I laugh uproariously, like, oh my God, I can't believe Judy did that. You'll know the truth. I'll be like, ooh, you've watched it before, Talia. So okay. that's inauthentic self I do not like. I'm moving on to other toxic characteristics of other people. That can't be. The reason why I love the show so much is that these main characters are so despicable and hilarious and no self-awareness and super spoiled. But um, Keith might be my favorite. Do you know Keith? I not only know Keith, but 
Yeah, I'm picturing him in the latex suit. Oh my god, everything about Keith, and then he has like the Hail Satan tattoo, but and now a six, he's six, six on his a man of God. Chest. You know what the show the what the show feels to me about is sometimes like this, you know, what's really real about people. Like I think we create these images of ourselves, and in this case, a very religious evangelical right. type, you know, or TV, I should say, family. And this family is a human group of people that has their fallibilities and swear and throw shoes at people and have really unbelievable... I think they murdered people, too. I don't even remember. I don't <laughs> want to give any spoiler so alerts. But, but it's it a comedy. Good. And it's what we enjoy. Like, it, it is a... I, I want, also want to yes. say, like, for us as therapists, we need escapes. Oh, my God. It's true. I yep. can't, personally can't watch therapy shows. Can you? I can watch your therapy oh. shows. And I think I've referenced this on a previous one, In Treatment with Gabriel... Burns. Is that who it is? I don't know. Maybe that's a singer. Gabe, I think that's Talking Gabriel. Heads. <laughs> I could be wrong. I don't know my people. Um, Gabriel something. And the woman from The Sopranos, the therapist. Yes. Ooh, yeah, you, she's I, good. Yes. There are some good people. There and are. A lot of people, though, a lot of these shows make fun of us, right? Like, I know. Um, and we're not the best. Oh, the, the, the therapist from Ted Lasso. Love her. Although boundaries, I do not love her. boundaries are a little bit off. Yeah, in some ways, but she was also like really cold and I felt like zero compassion. But that's how I do therapy. Oh, yeah, right. I am, I'm lying. <laughs> I can't even pull that off. That would be not transparent or honest. I am, oh. uh, I am an engaging, warm, I don't even know how I come off. That's up to my clients to tell me. Guess what? What? Tell me what? Tell me what? Today's episode. Tell me. Is all about when your relationship loses its spark. If mm -hmm. you've been together a really long time, even yeah. if you love each other madly, even if there was this fiery passion before you decided to be together and commit, and then it somehow fizzled, we want to help you with the fizzle. I think we do, do we? Are you really doing what I think you're doing? I think you distracted. First of all, <laughs> First of all, you are, oh my God, Douglas L. Jensen. Okay. He is secretly on Grinder under the table, and I am seeing things I don't want to see. This is unacceptable. I will be taking that. So Talia hates <laughs> Do you know what's so funny? Is This is why this episode is about us as well. Tell me about that. Because you're going to see all of the reasons why the spark fades, but it's when people in a relationship take on different roles, like the child and the parent. Are you like, <laughs> are you like specifically using your hand gestures? Um, I was kind of curious how you were going to push this onto us. Yeah, I mean, we still have our spark. I really love these, by the way. We're still. I'm a little distracted by your chartreuse earrings. Um, so she's kind of saying she's going to get done with me at some point, folks. And so we have to figure out how to keep our spark, spark. alive. Do you really feel like that's at risk of, of us losing our connection? We talk like five times a day. Well, if you... Are you going to get tired out of me? If you Because I was tired out of you being... like three months ago. <laughs> so I need you to spark it up. If you stop being so interesting, maybe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, we're we're going to teach you what it takes to keep that spark alive. And it's actually a lot easier than you think. I feel like there's a song in that as well. Um, I'm going to read a mailbag Please about do. this issue. And it is entitled, We Lost the Spark <laughs> in Our Relationship, which 
That word spark is coming up a lot. Plus, of course, we had a yeah, anyway. I'm not I could I just feel really chatty right now, which who's, is gonna be I, who's the one that has ADHD right now? I feel like you. 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 <laughs> My 29. Oh, so the, there's a, a dude. Um, yeah, a male and his girlfriend of three years live together, and I am worried that the spark is gone. First off, let me say that I love my girlfriend a lot. That doesn't sound like a good start. We have been living in our apartment for over a couple years, and things have been good, but I'm worried that the passion is gone from our relationship. We really don't have sex that often, and we don't hang, as much, hang out as much as we used to. We used to go out all the time, and we would kiss and make out, and while we were dancing, and we would have great sex. This lasted for months, but then we started fighting. She found out I had been watching porn, and she was very upset with me. We had a few more fights about me watching porn over the next year. Our life at home has become boring. Boring. Not boring. Boring. She nags me to do chores, which I guess is normal, but we were never really tidy people when we lived on our own. When we started dating, I would hide dirty dishes in the cupboard when people came over. Ooh, flies. Um, She used to just toss them if she didn't feel like cleaning them. The good old days. (laughs) Now these two issues might... Now these two issues might seem disconnected, but they are linked by the image formed of her in my head by them. I find it hard to be attracted to her as much as I used to be, but she has, uh, because she has become a figure of authority in my mind somehow, oof. She's the woman that gets mad when I don't wash the dishes, and she's the person who doesn't want me looking at porn. Really well articulated, but we'll get to that. I know I should wash dishes, and I know I shouldn't jerk off all day. (laughs) I don't know why that's the case, but... But I don't like her being the person telling me these things. When we started dating, we were fun, flirty, and crazy. We would get drunk, go skinny dipping, and have really passionate sex. I want that back. I don't want her to be my domestic partner. I want her to be my lover. One of the things she found most attractive about me is that I can be a creative asshole who does as he pleases, but I have found it hard to manage that and be a good person to live with. I want to just tell her, look, I might look at porn once in a while, and I might get not get to the dishes right away, but let's go fuck like rabbits. I like this guy. Yeah. He's I, honest and raw. I and also I, and want that for him as well. I, well, okay. some of it. All right, How do I find the balance? I know I suck at speaking out for myself. Really good insight. Um, and that I have let myself become whipped, he puts in quotes, into a dull domestic relationship. Mm. I want to be romantic and wild with her, and I also want to be a good person to live with, but I would rather be more of the first thing. How do I break out of the norm and reestablish our crazy, crazy passion? Oh my god, that was so good. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm really digging all this of this is happening. way that you talk. And also, I will say, Doug, tell me if I'm wrong, um, but this is a very common story that we, you know, when we're therapists, we see, and especially a couples therapists, we see the same story that looks 50 different ways, but at the very core is this, the essence of the same feeling of how i mean like basically he's saying uh domestic life is dull domestic partnership is dull and i mean the way that i think about this and i know i talk about this all the time and you know how much i love esther perel right yeah but that there is this all of us love go ahead she's just amazing but there's this premise that as humans we have two opposing needs one of them is stability, continuity, predictability, responsibility, 
just like this feeling of secure, grounded love. We know we're safe. But then what draws us to a person usually is less of that love and more of that desire, which that desire is based on mystery, unpredictability, sparky chemistry, where it might even like that lust, it isn't even necessarily respectful sometimes. We get like lost in maybe this like power dynamic or it's just like the whatever the opposite of stability, responsibility, domestic home life, that's the lust and the desire. And so how can the two meet in the middle? How can we find both of those in a relationship? Because that is the key to having a really passionate long-term relationship. You know, dude, this is the bottom line here. And, you know, communication is something we kind of press a lot about and, and talk a lot about in this podcast. It is kind of the core here. And you've kind of talked about, like, you know, I obviously should let her know these things uh, about about how I'm feeling, et cetera, which I think is absolutely true. I'm going to go back to my four C's of relationship, chemistry, communication, compromise, and commitment. You know, it sounds like you two have really good chemistry. It sounds like you've had a really good uh, physical life, which I really think can help people get through all kinds of difficulty in their life. If you have a good way of reconnecting physically, you're good. Um, I have a lot of questions for you. Like, um, I'm kind of curious about, you know, this authority figure, this parent-child relationship that mm. you feel is forming and what your relationship was with your parents, which can you know, kind of guide how it is that you manage this, but it's got to stop. There can't be a good parent-child dynamic in any sort of mutual reciprocal relationship. So I would absolutely encourage you to, you know, be really expressive about what that is and to let her know that the nagging about the chores and be careful of the word nagging because, you know, finding out and being curious kind of about what it is that's going on for her about the chores. Like if you say you weren't necessarily tidy people before, is something changed? Does she feel scattered? Is she using the domestic uh, mess uh, as a cover or a way of talking about some other things that might be going on for her that are frustrating. So I might say really have an honest dialogue about this and say, you know what, these are the things bugging me. I want to go to porn for a second. You know, I, I think there's a huge range of experiences about porn. There are people who believe that porn is cheating. And then there are people who believe that porn is a really healthy part of your sexual life alone and with others. Um, I, I particularly don't outside of, you know, creating some damage to your penis or genitals or whatever other part I just like, body parts sometimes you say these things that I just like don't see it coming <laughs> it's just... so when we talk about parent child dynamics <laughs> and we can't talk about penises or vaginas oh my god how are you doing with that it just um, reminds me of so many other funny moments where we're like well maybe he's into you if he's gazing deeply into your eyes unless you have <laughs> conjunctivitis unless, unless he's <laughs> oh my gosh all right so um i might say that a healthy conversation about that needs to happen i um i don't professionally or uh, I'll, I'll just speak professionally i don't have an issue necessarily with porn i think it could be an, a healthy dynamic but if it offends her in some ways if she feels like the women on there are fantasy and you know there's no way to measure up to that and so she's concerned about that again conversation about that um of course porn is fantasy of course sex can be fantasy if you're incorporating role plays yeah, I mean, I think that it also depends on how you're using it, because if it's a way yeah. that you are finding this like sexual awakening or this confidence and you're embodied and you're feeling good in your own body and you use that energy and bring it into your relationships in this very kind of 
exciting way, even if you're doing it solo and then just bring that energy and desire and passion into your relationships, I feel like it could be really lovely and useful. But if you find that you are falling into the only way that you're able to get turned on is by watching these fantasies that don't at all resemble real life. And um, then that can be a problem because then, then it becomes more and more difficult to actually engage in a healthy relationship. Yeah, I think there's an episode or two on uh, Sex in the City, the historic version, uh, where Miranda is with somebody who's, I think it's Miranda, I'm not sure, who's, uh, you know, watching porn during their sex. And it's not about her at all. And so she mm. feels kind of this depersonalization and objectification of her just as a, a vessel, uh, oh, which yeah. is not great. I mean, you want to you want to feel like you are the person that that person is with, unless it's a role play or a fantasy or a, uh, a kink of some kind that, that involves some of that. Um, this is what I would say about that, though, too. Um, I, you know, you kind of went down that path, by the way, of like, I just want to tell her, let's go fuck like rabbits. I might look at porn. I might, you don't want to diminish her concerns. What you want to do is find out where they're coming from. I would strongly encourage you to say, so we need to talk. I'm losing kind of the spark because I see you as this person who's talking to me about porn and about chores in a way that I don't love. And you just got to be honest about saying that makes me feel unattracted. It makes me feel like you're my parent. It makes me feel like you're my mother. Um, and I did not want to be in a relationship with my mother. It was interesting you used the term, I don't want to be domestic partner, but I do want to be a lover. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting differentiation. And by the way, I mean, you can have both, right? Like you can have both in the same person. And that's the hope. But communicate, communicate, communicate. You have to be really honest about what you're experiencing. And again, I'm going to tell you, she's experiencing something too. Right. There's something going on for her that if this is a change in how she's approaching housework, if there's a change in her opinion about porn, um, you just really want to understand where that's coming from and have her also be explicit and honest about what her emotional experience is. It does feel to me, again, like there might be something deeper going on. There might be something that she's using the housework or the porn to really suggest she has some frustration with something else. I mean, I'm, I, I'm also thinking that I don't know why I feel kind of sensitive to the word nagging because what that means to me either, right? Okay, so maybe she does have some control issues and maybe she does feel like she's the authority figure in terms of the domestic household work. But I also know for a fact that if you want to change that dynamic, yes, you can have a conversation with her about maybe the way she approaches you or if this is a control issue. But there is a very high likelihood, my friend, that if you start stepping up as a domestic partner or figure out ways in which you can divvy up the housework and you're doing your part, there will be no nagging because you're doing your part. So maybe part of it is you're a little reluctant to step into the domestic adulthood part of this and someone's got to. So that is one way to maybe shift the dynamic. What I feel like you're wanting to say something. Um, here's what, I don't even know that it's specific to that. What I want to say is something much more general. I just do think we as a culture do not really engage in a thoughtfulness. You know, I had to look back at the, uh, the, the mailbag here uh, you've been together three years. And I will tell you something that I think oftentimes I watch people who kind of jump into relationships because they have this fantasy about what it's supposed to be based on, you know, their own background with their families of origin. And there's not a lot of thought like, what do I really want? I think there's a lot of people who engage in this, you know, they they tend toward a monogamous, especially if heterosexual, um, they they jump into a monogamous relationship. They have this fantasy about what it means to be together and create this life together. 
it's not that simple, folks. If we look back at all the generations and how many divorces there are in relationships that don't succeed, myself included, I have several, um, regretfully. But there's a part of this where at the end of the day, people have to be really, really clear and really thoughtful. Like, this is what I'm looking for. And my guess, you know, there's no way to cover everything when you first get together with someone. This premarital counseling that, you know, a bunch of us do, given you can get a deduction in your marriage license. Um, That's right. Yeah. The reality. <laughs> The reality is, you know, I think oftentimes I'll ask like, what, 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 what questions, what has not been discussed? And I will specifically poke at particular issues that the two of them need to decide because, you know, whether it's politics, whether it's porn, whether it's sex, whether it's how to do sex, whether it's open or ethically non-monogamous or poly or whatever kind of relation monogamous, of course, um, like whatever relationship you want. I just, I really strongly encourage you to know that relationships are an evolution and they're constantly in development. And as the decades go by, of course, you're going to have more and more issues that come up in a, in a variety of ways. Right. A lot of us don't find ourselves. I found myself really when I was 40 years old, like I really discovered who I was and I have never gone back. I live every day authentically. I have great people in my life who support me and love me and, and regard me. Um, so there's a part of this that, you know, really knowing yourself and starting to communicate more and more and more to understand each other is the deal. Again, there's something going on. You know, if she's, you know, from your perspective, quote unquote, nagging, um, my guess is that she has something she needs to say to you. She's frustrated with something. And maybe it's the bedroom situation. It could be. And she's using the chores or the household dishes um, as a cover for that to start that conversation. There are a couple of things that you just said that I just loved and I want to dive in on. One is, yes, the relationship is a living, breathing, growing organism, as mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. you. You mm -hmm. are growing and changing the way you feel about yourself, what you want to grow into. And I think that both people making sure they're growing into their healthiest selves is another way to spark a lot of what what makes us interesting and different to each other i'm also thinking about um what you were saying about her frustration and what yeah. that might be about yeah it kind of makes me think that you know there are a couple of thoughts one is there's either this dynamic that is like unmet needs frustration resentment and if you're not talking about it it kind of comes out sideways and you're irritable and frustrated and maybe nagging. And then if your needs are met and communication is good, then the dynamic kind of shifts directions into a place of like generosity of spirit. And um, just, I wanna meet your needs and you're meeting my needs and I'm so happy and I'm showing you all my love. And so that's what we wanna do is we wanna get that whatever that dull, irritated naggy energy is to get it to move the opposite direction which i think would feel really good and so you do need to think about those needs so oftentimes people um communicate their needs with even just being like god you never do this or you never do that right is that a nice way no, but Nor is it accurate by the way and there are but there are hints in there like yeah. god you never put your dishes away equals wouldn't it be nice if you put your dishes away i would feel so excited to come home to a clean kitchen i mean there are ways i don't recommend that that's a passive aggressive is the way to communicate your needs no but even just to think about like what are my partner's needs what are things that i know would make them happy but because we're in a rut and not a lot of generosity of spirit and kindness i'm not doing all those things that they want because they're not doing any of the things i want 
that's a conversation and you can change the dynamic by paying attention to what your partner's needs really are and starting to be more generous in that direction. And I can almost guarantee that it might be a little slow, but it's going to come right back to you. Got to talk. And you have to talk honestly and openly and take those risks, both of you. Um, and, you know, of course, hopefully she hears this podcast and you can show it to her and take our recommendation to start opening up that conversation about what's really happening. Yeah, it could be a very, a very random link that you send her and she'll be like, wait one minute. Or just put it on in the background as you're cleaning the house and doing the dishes. <laughs> and she'll be like, what's that? And she'll be like, let's go fuck like bunnies right this second. I was going to make a rabbit noise, but I don't know what that is. Oh, Obviously. Wow. Is that beaver or is it rabbit? Yeah, it's hard to say, but either way. Okay. Either way, it's it could work in the bedroom. <laughs> Just kidding. Not, not role playing oh. in the bedroom. Don't be a beaver or a rabbit. I okay. don't think that's I could a go thing. on and off on that, but I'm not going to. That's so mature. Um, is it? It's even... so mature of okay. you. Okay. All right. We'll take that I am mature on not commenting on beavers and rabbits and okay i'm also thinking about like the love languages thing as you guys everyone kind of wants all of them <laughs> but i think about it as if someone has a love language like if my love language is quality time which it really is that doesn't mean that i don't like physical touch or i don't like gifts or I don't like words of affirmation or acts of service, but it just means that the quality time is what like fills my love bank. I'm mixing everybody's theories into one. No, I mean, this, you kind of are mishmashing, but I love that because there is no simple uh, way. And even when we're talking about like the singles episode that you and I will, uh, not the singles episode, but the retreat that we're working on oh, yes. and hopefully doing very, very soon. Um, in different parts of the nation, it would be really great mm -hmm. to be traveling to your your city sometime soon. Yes. The reality is, you know, I do think that all of us are a mishmash of all types of things, whether we're Enneagram people, whether we're Myers-Briggs people, whether we're Love Languages people. I'll tell you something. It was I was really like paying attention to what you just said about like our love languages might be all over the place. I always assume that like touch is my thing. Like if somebody rubs my head, my feet, my shoulders, whatever it is, my arms just you know, touches me, I feel really, really comforted by that. Mm -hmm. And so that feels like my love language. But I'll tell you, a friend of mine who just came back from Seattle, and every time he's in Seattle, he takes a picture of this naked picture of Burt Reynolds <laughs> that's in this amazing <laughs> yes, bar. Right. <laughs> um, and every time he shows me a picture of it, this kind of his way of letting me know that he got there safely. Um, and I'm like, can you fucking steal that picture and put it in my bedroom, please? He <laughs> bought me a poster of it, and he got to, it got delivered to my house a few days ago. That's a new love language. Oh, a my naked God. Burt I, Reynolds. A naked Burt Reynolds. Yeah. And I remember feeling like, oh, my God, I feel so. I actually wrote to him and I said, I feel so loved and cared for. And this little tiny thing means so much to me, um, which I think is the other important part to make sure that people who are providing love in the in the way that matters to them, that they hear those things. Um, and I have it taped my dresser in my bedroom. Oh, you know, when I'm growing up, Burt Reynolds didn't necessarily trigger me. He does now. It triggered in a hot way, not a trauma way. In a whole hot way. <laughs> like, Eric Estrada was my person growing up that oh, I was like, I yeah. think I'm attracted to him in his chips outfit. And when I see mm. people who are chips in California, I, like, want to speed so I get pulled over thinking it might be Eric. And then it turns into a porn. And then it, 
No, it turns out not to be Eric. So there's no activity so whatsoever. And my kids continuously, my both my kids know if there's a chip on our motorcycle, mm. California Highway Patrol. Okay, that's I'll hilarious. be like, is that him? But also, like, if you think it's about... Not, he's not a chip. When real, people... Oh, you give me the hand. Oh. I'm stopping traffic. <laughs> it's my new way of interrupting. <laughs> but this is what I was going to say. All right. That when you are in the honeymoon stage of your relationship, think of how much time and energy and thoughtfulness goes yeah. into courtship. Yeah. Like, yep. oh my God, their favorite chocolate or their favorite show or their favorite color or this one thing that they said that reminds me of this other thing that I'm going to go find for them or whatever it is. That's what fades. It's that thoughtfulness and that element of surprise where maybe someone doesn't really know you that well or they're trying to get to know you a little bit better and they're just like coming out of the woodwork trying to do that really one special thing. Let's spark that back up. Like surprise them. If routine and mundane and parenting responsibility and hockey practice the death of desire hmm. surprise them like what were your most fun memories what drew you to each other what were fun adventures you used to do I think with that's each fair. other you can also be remembering when you fell in love with this person what were your favorite qualities about them because it's also possible that when we grow up together in our relationship, when we grow together, we sort of become more and more alike. We watch the same shows, hang out with the same people. You get your cycle at the same time. You like and Doug and I. That's right. Well, because like we literally talk every day. There's nothing new. We share every thing that's happening minute by minute but in this case to keep the spark alive you individually need to be pursuing your own thing like that's, fair. that's what's sexy and that's what's attractive i think when we are attracted to our partners it's usually because they are interesting they're doing interesting things they've got interesting stories to tell yep. it's not all like how is work? Fine. How is your work? Fine. It's like, even if you have... We're not fine. We're not fine. I hate that word. We are actually, I think, a little more interesting than we think we are. And sometimes if the conversations get really routine and boring, yeah, we need to remember that, like, maybe accounting isn't that interesting, but... It is to somebody. Jim and... Bobby, the cast of characters, are super interesting. Who are Jim and Bobby? Exactly. Don't you want to know more about Jim and Bobby? Because that's what's interesting is the cast of characters. I don't. And then once you get those kind of conversations started with your partner, yeah. it's no longer how is work fine. It's like, oh, my God, what about Jim and Bobby? What did they do? Or, like, whatever happened with that dynamic? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure what, I'm what we're talking about. about at this. What about like keeping it alive? Make your what about, conversations. What, how did Jim and Bobby come into this? And is that a same sex or what is that? Don't you want to know more? No. That's the mystery. <laughs> that, that was kind of a trick. Yeah, but that's how you get the conversation flowing. By the way, what about Gene and Jamie? 
Remember Can we when pick an... Go ahead. Josh that we took out to pick his brain about brand. We miss him so much. Like branding and marketing. Yeah. And he kept on saying, you guys, you need a deck of cards. Like conversation starters. I think we should do that. But I think we're going to do that. I think so we're we'll gonna. have We're Not Fine cards at some point. Right. And they'll probably be a little bit more explicit on my end, and yours will be more about... You better are, not say abundance. Yours are going to be about abundance and gratitude. Oh, I'll never... You'll never live it down. My God. My work husband and my actual love husband roll their eyes every time I talk I don't know which is which. Abundance and gratitude, which, by the way, if you are looking... For a key to unlock the mysteries of happiness and wellness, if you are living in a place of gratitude... Oh, my God. Are you really <laughs> saying this? I am. It, it's can, like, we, can we hold our hands like this? It is the Abundance. opposite. Being grateful is the opposite of being critical, feeling like the grass is always greener on the other side, feeling sorry for yourself, being jealous, living in a scarcity mentality. He's glaring <laughs> at me and I'm just talking through it. I don't I don't like platitudes or fluff. And while I value those did you feel insulted by that? I feel violent. <laughs> Do you feel unsafe still when I make my only when you make that face. Um yeah, I think Talia that I by the way I I do believe we can reframe things and think about gratitude and we can be grateful for our lives. I'm a big person. I'm very grateful for my life. Um, you're a big person. Therefore, you're grateful for your life. I'm a big. I'm a big cake. Bi <laughs> therefore, grateful. I'm grateful mm. for my. I don't know, guys. For my cheesecake next to me and my beefcake. I am a little bit of a cheesecake. You are definitely. I've been. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yep, I think, so those words I'm not trying to diminish. I think they have a lot of place in whatever world, but I just don't, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that Rob is on my team about that. He's on my team about that. Yeah, but I really feel And he like likes my kebabs. If we're choosing He likes teams, my kebab. I feel like everyone, not everyone, a lot of people are on my team. Mm, okay. I mean, gratitude. Are we name competing one, for teams? Because my team is Name one person that thinks gratitude is bad. It's fine, but it's like, anyway, I, I'm not going to be critical. I just, I. No, but I do want you to finish your sentence. No, I don't want to finish, finish. Like, tell me one bad thing about gratitude. I bet you can't find one. Well, hmm. it doesn't really go deep enough is my comment. Like we need to figure out, like if someone says, I'm really grateful. I'm like, okay, that's great. But tell me what's not also going well. Tell me okay, how so you're I not would fine. Say Let's go deeper. I would say like, I'm grateful. The next question could be like, Let's bring that to life. Let's flesh it out. Like, what are the pieces that you're really grateful for? And how do you really get in touch with that? And when things suck, if you just say, like, if you've had a death in your family and you're like, I'm really grateful. I feel abundant. Um, that is, but it's a part of the journey. That doesn't mean that you can't sit in the misery. Grief. And yeah. the grief. Absolutely honor that. But a part of coming out of it is to have less of this tunnel vision and more of, yes, that happened and it colors everything. Yep. But I also can't lose sight 
of these other beautiful pieces. So I think where it becomes a concern from my point of view is when that's all there is. Right. Like, I'm going to focus on gratitude. It's like, do not run from that pain. Right. Do not run from the internal experience that you're having and try to put this beautiful wrap on it that's right. that has a little bow. But that... do you think you can have both? Yeah. I feel like that's Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I think what my concern is, is when people use that as a platitude without the depth. Of I agree. That. We love the depth. We love deep Yep, about relationships. bringing so. it back to this topic, and I know that you bristle at the idea of gratitude, but even if you're thinking about the qualities that you love about this person and start getting in touch with your gratitude for maybe this person who does have these skill sets you don't have or treats you in a way that is, you know, really special to you, things you might have taken for granted because it's so easy to take our loved ones for granted and it what is. we used to it is. desire and want more than anything in the world then sort of just becomes our daily routine. You know, when we started this podcast, I think our first episode we talked about like brutal honesty, right? And that's where I got to go with this. Um, I feel like that's what it needs to be. And gratitude can be part of that. And don't think abundance really can in the same way. But, um, I will say that I think, of course, you should be grateful. But I think I'm looking for um, I'm always looking for people to be like really fucking brutally honest about what their emotional experience is. And that can absolutely be a part of it. It's never all of it, in my opinion. We are complex human beings with complex circumstances always. That's exactly That's right. what I think. So we're into we complex more? and depth. I know, I know, we are. Just a few more thoughts. What do you want to talk about? Well, one thing that I feel like is really important that um, that we think about is like sometimes we think that our relationship has lost its spark, but sometimes it's us and sometimes we're bored <laughs> with our lives and we have to own that. But that even if you're thinking about if we are desperately wanting this like security and grounded, beautiful relationship, and that's what love is, can we also incorporate excitement, mystery, adventure <laughs> into our own lived experience and routine and maybe the domestic routine? He's drawing really inappropriate things, you guys. I'm not. Help. What's the SOS sign? Okay. This is sign language. S-O-S. Okay, so... <laughs> what do you have to say about that? I have a lot to say about that. Um, so here's here's what I just heard you say at the very beginning of this in particular. But like then you like... got distracted by... <laughs> what? <laughs> I am drawing pictures um, based on what we're talking about. Here's what I want to say about that that's in a very serious note. Um... Confidence is attractive, self-care is attractive, and, you know, when you talk about, like, looking at whether you're still sparky yes. um, and attractive, I think people need to take stock of themselves and make sure that they are... So I wrote down self-care, confidence, and happy. That's what that says. It doesn't say frappuccino or mochaccino. It says that, you know, when you take care of yourself, when you are doing what's right for you, when you kind of have your own interests... You know, I see so many people who are in these codependent relationships where they're constantly, like trying to become the person that they think that other person wants to be, or they are making sure that that person is comfortable or taken care of at their expense on a chronic level. That's not a real relationship. That's an inauthentic relationship that does not have longevity unless that gets addressed, because you have to come into it fully honest and fully uh, transparent about who you are and what your issues are 
and be able to communicate those. But boy, you know, when we talk about spark, taking care of yourself, you know, making sure that you are physically and emotionally and mentally well suited and well, right. you know, replenished and, and taking care of all three of those things. Um, I think it's really uh, an aphrodisiac. And I think it's a very attractive way to keep your relationship in, in check. And that does not mean, by the way, that any particular body type, it doesn't mean that any particular mental health issue is not something that can be attractive. It's about finding that person who really does love you for who you are. But you are ultimately responsible for you to take care of yourself. And that is a really huge factor in maintaining a spark long term. I uh, love it, Doug. I love it. I mean, the last thing I sort of wanted to touch on as just an interesting talking point. Yeah. Tell me what you think about that. I will. Is that a lot of couples, um, one person might say that they want more sex, that that's like a problem. That there isn't enough sex. And usually, and I know we really try to stay far away from men versus women and how people identify. I agree. And I also know, I mean, I do have a fair amount of couples that are same sex and slightly more that are heterosexual. But there is this feeling of one person wants more sex and oftentimes the generalizing piece, which I, I don't like, but in my experience, what I notice is there is some truth to men often need that sexual connection to feel emotionally connected. And they might want to even lead with that because that's what sparks that feeling of intimacy and connection. Whereas women need to feel that emotional connection before they feel like they want that sexual connection. What do you think about that? I mean, I'm willing to say that, of course, that is con uh, a common thread. But boy, I'm I'm really, as we both know, opposed to like any general generalities. Right. And, like, and especially it doesn't even address like the non-binary experience at all. And sapiosexuals, you know, the more right. intellectually based attraction. Um, and so I find myself thinking, boy, everybody's different and we have to be honest about it. And I remember working with uh, a woman in a lesbian relationship years ago. And I remember she came in, she goes, I just need to fuck. And I was like, That's I want right. to bottle this, right? Like, because everyone generalize. has their own. We cannot generalize anything. So, and I think we are so socialized. And I think particularly as women, women are socialized to have some sort of shame or some sort of limitation about their sexual desires and, and whatnot. Fuck all of that. We have to yeah. change all of that in so many different ways and really liberate ourselves to be open and honest about who we are. And anybody who would ever shut down that part of yourself, I please write in and we'll give some advice on how to get out of that relationship or address that relationship more directly. Or, you know, I guess we're not taking new patients, but um, we're anyway. not. But we always want you to write in. Always. Um, always. I have another I have another reason why people might be disconnected from that. Tell me. I think that, I mean, when you said self-care, I feel like that's a really huge piece. But it I is. feel like we feel disconnected sometimes from our bodies and our sexual experience when, just like you said, like there's a self-esteem issue or, but it's also when life gets really busy and maybe those of us 
that feel kind of like we have the lion's share of responsibility either at home or at work and we have the weight of the world on our shoulders or the child rearing or the domestic chores or whatever really unsexy things we're needing to just check off our list all the time. I don't know if this is like, I'm not going to generalize to any gender because I think it's also a personality type that if we are over-functioning and hyper-responsible and conscientious, being completely free and joyful and in our bodies and ready to put down everything and have a beautiful, connected, intimate experience, that comes number 5,000 on the list for many that um, are always just checking things off the list or really overwhelmed and yeah. exhausted. Like, that's real, too. I found ourselves in this conversation, too, kind of focusing in on the physical part. And that's really not a huge part of, for some people, like mm -hmm. the emotional that's connectedness, true. as you said. And I don't think that's gender-based. I think there's a lot of dudes and, and uh, non-binary people. And there's a lot of people who don't identify with the idea of just fucking like rabbits right, um, right. to go back to the, the mailbag. I think people are looking very much for that, you know, kind of intimacy and whether that's, that's intellectual right. or emotional or whatnot. People want to feel safe. People want to feel unless, you know, it's part of the fantasy to feel unsafe in a BDSM type of experience. That's so, right. I mean, I think there's a lot of different pieces of this puzzle. I think at the end, by, by the way, I just I want to clarify something. You should also feel safe and have those uh, boundaries navigated in a, in a bondage discipline, sadomasochistic uh, experience as well. The part that I'm struck by is in all of this is it's, it is about communication and it's about letting somebody know what's going on for you. I just want to say as well, like aging happens, right? So testosterone and uh, menopause, as we know, hormones of any kind, as we age, erectile dysfunction for a lot of people. I always tell my clients who have had like prostate surgery uh, for men who can no longer get an erection uh, as a result of one of the outcomes of that surgery. There are a lot of ways to please your partner. There are a lot of ways of making sure that you enjoy something as well. And it isn't always about orgasm. It isn't always about coming. It isn't always about an erection. It isn't always about, you know, being a certain way that we have fantasies about what it was. Um, I think it's all always about navigating that. You know, certainly there are things that some people can do. Uh, talk to your doctor about anything that might be going on that's limiting your sexual libido or, or experience. Right. But it's not all about that. Like, you can do all kinds of things. There's a lot of ways of enjoying intimacy well emotionally and physically and i think maybe the most important part of intimacy and i'm actually really excited because we're going to have a guest on to talk about this Are and we? she's all about like sex and intimacy but basically mm. the key to intimacy is being present yeah because that's how we feel connected when we're making eye contact when we're really seeing into each other's souls even if it's just for that moment yeah. and um I would say that maybe the three little nuggets that I'm pulling out of all of this kind of are everywhere at we're everywhere all at once episode is in order to keep that spark alive. We need to be caring for our own spark. I loved it when you asked, are you sparky? How do we become the sparkiest version of ourselves? Which means if you're bored, Figure out what's interesting to you and fun to you. That way, also, you're going to have many more interesting stories to bring to the relationship. Yep. If you change the dynamic of resentment, frustration, unmet needs into generosity of spirit, 
and being really thoughtful, thinking yep. about the love languages, yeah. it will completely change the direction of the energy flow of the relationship. And I would say the last one that Doug invented, he invented the idea of communication. I did. It is my <laughs> concept and my word. That that's so important. We are growing together. Just because we're shifting, growing, and changing doesn't mean your partner doesn't want to grow with you. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's all about communicating what's going on for you. And I just think there are a number of life circumstances that can interfere with continuing on in a way that is helpful. I will tell you something. I also think that um, this is why the chemistry part of my four C's is the first one. I think... If you don't like how that person tastes, smells, feels, touch, you know, what, what your experience is with them, I really, looks, whatever it might be, and we all have different flavors. Like, there's somebody for everyone. I will say that forever. Um, but I think there's a part of this that if you make a really good choice at the beginning, getting back to that sort of spark um, and that connection is easier in my experience working with couples. I but you have to have some of that at the beginning. You have to have that too. spark. You have to, like, feel that sexual chemistry with someone. And if you just don't have it from the beginning, and you know, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm one of those kind of, I want to say assholes when I meet somebody. I'm like, I, A-I-T-A. I'll wait for it. I'll wait till you remember. Asshole. Remember, intern. am I that asshole? Am I? Okay. Somehow I don't. It's very meaningful yeah, for it me. Is. Am I that asshole? Um. Is that coming from our social media gal, Allie? Yeah. God, she's bright. God, she's good. And she's also the one responsible for our funny new endings that are we're not fine, but dot, dot, dot. She's so freaking funny. She is freaking funny. So. So as always, we are so grateful for every single one of you. We we do crave a little more engagement. We want to hear from you. DM us. If you liked our episode, show us. Like it. Subscribe. We love you guys, and we want to keep creating fabulous content, and um, you're, we want you to continue listening. You know, one of the things about this particular conversation about relationships, and, you know, whether it's my four C's, whether it's, you know, any of the other theorists about how relationships work, uh, Esther Perel, John Gottman, all of these people who do a lot of relationship work, the reality is um, this is different for everybody, and we could talk about this for days. Like, I could talk for days and days and days, and of course... Um, coming from different angles and the ways that we do connect with people is really critically important to just uh, be open to. But again, anything that triggers your interest, any questions you have, any particular personal things you have going on um, that might be helpful for us in an anonymous sort of way to answer for you, go to we'renotfine.com and please submit any questions or comments on that website. And if we'll, you're, we'll look for them. If you're on our socials, we also really love voice notes. They're kind yeah. of our favorite. Yep. And we might, if you want us to, we can absolutely put them out there. But it's Dr. Talia Jackson, like Dr. Dr. Talia Jackson, Douglas L. Jensen with an E-N, and We're Not Fine Pod. We're also on TikTok. You could find us and YouTube. And remember, we're not fine. But guess what's legal in Minnesota? That's right. You heard it here first as of two days ago. Weed, make responsible decisions. Better known as marijuana. Better known as cannabis. Only old people say that. Bye, guys! Bye! (laughs)